are live. Can you hear that? Yes, sir. Y'all know who that is. Yep. Gino. The MSG podcast, baby. Putting in that work. Putting in that work. Hey, hey, hey. All that weight I lost, I gained it back. He gained it back. He gained it back, and we are back. Let's get to it, man. What's happening? We are back. We are back. Good morning, Chicago and the rest of the world. Welcome to the Money Sex Gen X podcast. I am your host with the most, the bloke with the stroke. Oh, Scotty Pippen of Podcast Pimpin'. Oh, Mr. Eric, my boy. Wow. I am joined by the Titan of Team Tech Music. Uh In the making, uh-huh. the Rashid Wallace e. of podcast knowledge. Uh. My co-host, my brother, the homie, Big Stew. Hey, you be coming with it, man. You 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 wise with the words, man. Try to do a little something, man. How you doing? This was on your radar this week. How you doing? On the radar for the week. Man, I'm okay, man. Uh, what was on my radar for the week? Quite honestly, man, um, this past week was a blur. All was a blur. So much happened in the professional space. I think for me, it's really just business, man. I had a couple of really good business uh, opportunities. So um, that's what's been on my radar, brother. What has been on your radar? For the past week, it was an interesting week, man. I'm a basketball fan, NBA fan. So the Kyrie Irving and James Harvey, Har- Harden uh, soap operas were very yeah. interesting. As most people know, James Harden is now in the Brooklyn Nets, which is yeah. crazy. That is ridiculous. I saw the meme of uh, uh, him gaining weight. Have you seen the James Harden meme of him? Man, dude was putting it in. He was doing. He, I don't know what he was eating. They said he was at Burger King too long or something. I don't know. But chilling, man, chilling, chilling. A lot of weight. Uh, he gained a lot of weight. So that was on my radar this week, and it continues to amaze me how many opportunities those brothers create for people. Just like the people who talk about sports who have a job, just by being able to talk about these guys to me is amazing. So I think that's cool. Uh, my daughter actually got accepted to North Carolina A&T this week. No way. Are you serious? Yeah. So shout out hey, to the Congratulations, man. Let's give, yeah, her, yeah, let's yeah. give her a hand clap. Shout out to the Aggies for accepting my baby. I don't know where, where we're going yet, but that, that was nice to see. Nice. As nice. we all know, it was an active week in the political arena. We're not going to get into all of that, but it's, you know, a lot going on. And most importantly, Stu, I've been taking a look at our listeners this week, and I want to give a big shout out to our listeners in Germany, hey. France, and Canada. They've been showing up, especially in Canada. I mean, uh, uh, Germany, especially in Germany. Germany holding it down for us, sure. but 
Uh, you say Canada? Yeah, man. Uh, Germany, Canada, and France. France, Germany. That's what I was gonna say because that yeah. France stood out a lot. Uh, a lot. So shout out to the people over in Germany, France, and Canada. Shout out to all us Americans as well that's holding us down and everywhere else in the world. No doubt, no doubt. So thank you all for tuning in. And I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that we now have some really solid MSG merch. Yes, we do. We do, man. I'm rocking the cup today with the red piping, which I love. Big Stu got the, the dress on the screen for the ladies. Got the T-shirts, socks, masks, whatever you like. Tell them, what, tell them which, where they need to go on the website front to get to the merch. The, uh, the link is right there in the comments section. Okay. But they can go to the Money Sex Gen X podcast and click on uh, merch. I believe it's merch or okay. store or something like that. Yeah, merch store. Yep. Merch store. There it is. We got the the mugs with the red piping like E is rocking today. Yes, yes. Uh, t-shirts. I love this. I'm... I need to. I'm gonna cop this from my lady. I want. I want to see my lady in this. This is nice. Yeah, I like that. I'm feeling that. I'm, I'm gonna get my lady that one. I think it comes in another color too. Pink, like white, and gray. Okay. okay. Yeah, I like and that. That's what I That's that the high. Gotta, gotta, I love those types of joints anyway. So I have to have that. The baseball uh, tee. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I think that comes in a couple of different colors as well. It so, does. It does. Yeah. Go on over and get your MSG merch, reasonably priced, priced good enough for you to get some for yourself as well as some gifts for you and yours. Yeah, make it a gift, man. Make it a gift. So that's what's up. Absolutely. So to this week, we have a very interesting topic. We're going to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And that question is, why isn't your small business generating wealth? That's interesting. What an interesting conversation. Is that something that you've kind of discussed? I know you're an educator. Is that something that you've discussed with your business students? too? All the time. All the time. All the time. Socio and economic issues specifically around wealth generation, wealth creation. Eric, I tell all of my students now, this is my own personal belief. Okay. I believe that there are really two main ways to generate wealth in preach, this country. Preach. And I believe one of them is through real estate ownership. Okay. okay. And I believe the other is through business ownership. Okay. Or in, in and even if it, including investing because even if you invest your dollars in a business, you're an owner. So, yes, to answer your question. I talk about wealth generating activities through business ownership all the time. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's something that I've talked to people a lot about as well. You know, I really I want us to dig into this thing. Let me do something real quick. And why, go ahead. I know you got I know you're really big on your agenda. I know you got a digital, but I, you know, and I'm good for throwing stuff out because I want to know why was this important enough to you? You know, like what? So, and I'm sure you're going to get into that and answer that question. But why was this even important enough to you? 
Well, the reason why I thought it was important, Stu, is because so, you know, we've gotten to a point from what I can see where and I'm talking kind of a lot about black and Latino people in this conversation. I feel like we've gotten really good at starting businesses. You know, there was a point in time where entrepreneurship has sort of taken a back seat in popular culture. But now, as we all know, there's been a shift, in my opinion. And I feel like a lot of people have created these small businesses and they're out there, you know, putting in some serious work and offering a lot of uh, services into the marketplace and products. And so to me, the next extension of actually starting the business is taking the business and putting it in a position where it can be around after you're no longer physically here. Yeah. And not just be around, it needs to be something that's actually producing uh, ongoing wealth. So in the form of income, in the form of opportunities, intellectual property, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Do you find a lot of, um, you know, Gen Xers are owning businesses? What's happening now within that front? Yeah, a lot of Gen Xers definitely own businesses uh, from, you know, from people that I'm observing in my network. What I see a lot of is people have a lot of um, nine to five jobs and then they also have a business, what they call on the side. Mm -hmm. Some of those people and the ones who I think do it at the highest level, they have a business on the side that they don't actually have to run. They uh -huh. have other people who run that business while they're off somewhere else generating other income. So then that so and, and let me know if I'm still in any of the thunder, but it sounds like there's a difference between um, having a business where you're the employee of the business and having a system that operates as a business and generates income or revenue and helps to build that wealth. Absolutely. Is that yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I first learned about this and I know you've read this, these books, but Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, I know this guy's had a lot of interesting stuff that he has been going on with him in the media, but I'm not going to focus on that right now. I just want to focus on the knowledge that he dropped. I'm sure other people have dropped this, but this is where I saw where it sort of made the most sense to me. He was talking about how there's four different quadrants that you want to think about when you're thinking about business and yourself. First quadrant is E for employee. Second quadrant, which is directly below that, is S, which is a person who is self-employed. And then now we're going to go to the other side of the quadrant, which is B for business owner. And then directly below that, we have the investor. So when we think about, so it's E, S, B, and I. Most people are on the left-hand side of the quadrant. They're in the employee, self-employed side of the equation. We, are, we all know what an employee is, so I don't have to really go through that. But the self-employed piece, a lot of people feel that when you're self-employed, really all you're doing is creating another job for mm -hmm. yourself, right? So you're basically the one doing everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're the guy, guy or woman who creates the idea. You get the business plan done. You're the one delivering all the services. You're sitting up doing all these social media posts. You know, you're doing everything. So you're you're kind of um, 
you're kind of, I'll give an example. I always thought it was interesting when I would go to like a laundromat and I would see the owners in there all day long mm. managing that laundromat. Have you ever mm. seen that? I have. I just thought that was, I mean, and I could be totally wrong here, but I just thought that was sort of sad. I'm like, man, you, you want to mm-hmm. stay here all day? And maybe they didn't have to, but it always stood out to me as an example of something that I didn't want to do because I always felt like there had to be a way for them to get somebody else to sit there and manage that laundromat all day long. But mm-hmm. one of the bad things about people in the S quadrant, and I've been guilty of this too, we want to do everything perfectly. Everything's mm-hmm. got to be perfect. And you and I talked about this on Friday. Nobody can do what I, you know, we want somebody that can do what we can do, which isn't realistic. So it's like, we, nobody can do what I can do, only me. And you know, they have to be perfect. And, and we talked about how if we look at Coca-Cola, for example, or say Apple, we know good and well that all of the employees in Apple and Coca-Cola are not perfect, extraordinary, or anything of that nature. And that's not a knock against those companies. It's just being realistic. At best, most of those employees are probably average. And so why are we trying to find perfection? It is not necessary. And it's going to keep us in the squad. You know, there are a couple of, there's some, you, you dropping heat today. It's a, it's a, it's not even. I mean, you you drop you dropping some major heat today, and I like how you giving it because the pacing of the heat is uh is is absolutely awesome. You you said a few things, but one of the things that you said was that I found also quite interesting is how many business owners before I ever really took business seriously uh, described. Um, being or feeling broke or not having, and then to hear you like give that example of the the owners of the laundromat, their nineteen hours out of the twenty four hour day, totally. you know I could see how they you've diminished your hourly rate of pay to pennies on the dollar, you know. So that's that's one, and I too, I have had an issue up until about. Honestly, about three or four years ago, and in my businesses, I thought that I had to run them. I thought that was the right way to do it. I thought that was the right way to do it. And it's just in the last four years, just within the last four years that I realized the type of business that I want to run that really generates wealth is a business that established that I don't have to be there to, to run it. Right. That, that was the switch for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's magic. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, I was, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I, I just over the last couple of years began to understand that. Because like I said, in the first stage, we're just trying to actually start the business. You know, we're trying to go from that employee mindset to the mindset of somebody that creates their own, which we know is a process in and of itself. I know it took a while for me. But then now, OK, so it's like, OK, cool. We got that down. Now we need to get to the part that you're talking about, which is that B quadrant, a business that runs by itself through the use of systems and then finding the people to run those systems for you. Listen, I want to say I want to I want to I want to jump in here and say something about to our listeners, any especially if anybody who's listening or watching for the first time and is like, 
well, what are these guys talking about? They're talking about business. I thought this is the money sector. Gen X, these are guys that get it in and they have candid conversation. Look, for our generation and for anybody else listening, one of the re- we're talking about lifestyle here, you know, and in our generation, the Gen X, a couple of things are important to us, our money and our relationships, right? And so we have to be talking about money. And it's not just cash. It's so many other things that deal with prosperity. So that's why this conversation is important to any Gen Xer out there. Just want to make, look, we're talking about many of, I know a lot of Gen Xers that are self-employed. No doubt. I know very few of us. There are only a handful who really get this concept of operating a business, being a business owner. Very few. Very and uh, for a long time, for many, many years, I was in that same boat. So I'm glad that we're here to help people understand. Because that other thing is, you know, when remember we were first talking a couple of years ago and it was like, hey, man, I'm willing to sell my business. And the thought of people being open to selling their businesses doesn't even cross their minds. Like, why would I want to do that? This is my business. It's like, I'm sure you're going to dig into some of that in this conversation. True indeed. And I'll say this to people. I tell people this all the time, as well as myself. If you don't want to sell the company, at least create a company that's worth being sold. (laughs) So, yeah, it'd be great. Somebody comes to you and say, hey, you know what? I'll give you one hundred million dollars for your company. Do that. Because sometimes people, we want to go back and forth about, well, I don't want to sell. That's cool. But is your company at a level to where somebody would step to you and say, you know what? I'll write you a check. And you got to What we have to keep in mind is they don't necessarily want you. They want the systems. And so that's where we, we have to take our mindset. And for people that went to business school like ourselves and people who've been you know, indoctrinated with all this stuff, all this stuff is cute and it's cool. But you really don't hear as many conversations about the creation of systems and then finding people to run those systems. That's a whole different conversation that you will probably find in a college classroom. Yeah. We don't do the judgmental thing. We're not knocking that because we're products of that. We just took it a step further in terms of our mindset. Absolutely. And I think, you know what, as we sit here on this pedestal, and I did that intentionally, as we sit up on our own pedestal, I think it's important that we are that we share that reality is like, look, we not sitting here like we made it and we just born into like I for me, for me personally, I don't mind sharing some of my failures. Um, and I'll tell you why. It's because when I sat in a lot of those auditoriums on a lot of those conversations, I never really hear people talking about their failures. Now, lately in the last two decades, I'm hearing people talk about their failures, but unfortunately, they're all talking about how they were once homeless, mm-hmm. not to take away from the fact that they may have been homeless or that, that right. there are people who are homeless. Right. But just if you're not homeless, like being homeless and having to sleep in your car is not the only path of the struggle. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. there's making the wrong decision about being a business owner and not having systems in place. That's right. And you'll operate like that for 15 years thinking you're doing something and you just really just been spinning your wheel. Exactly. Very true. And and I want to get into this. I want to go into some actual factuals real quick. But before we do that, 
if I was listening to this conversation, what I would be thinking about is what are these systems that they keep talking about? Yeah. Right. So I do want to get into that. So I created because it's hard for me to understand things unless I have sort of a visual or I can kind of organize the information. So in my work of working with businesses, I created something that I call, and this isn't meant to be some kind of promotion, but it's more to categorize and organize. So one way you can organize the systems is to think about it like this, what I call maps, M-A-P-S, marketing, administration, prospecting, and service delivery. These are the four areas that I've come up with that people spend their time in when they're running their business. So obviously they market the business. There's administrative stuff that needs to be done. You know, like it could be data entry. It could be scheduling appointments, whatever that looks like for your business. Prospecting is really simple. You're, you're going out trying to get new business, right? You could be doing that by calling people. You could be on Fiverr.com. You could be using LinkedIn to do that. They have something called ProFinder where you can have people reach out to you if they're looking for a specific service or you're looking for business. And then the last one is service delivery. So actually the business you created at the beginning, you had an intention in mind to deliver a specific set of services. So if you're a lawyer, you're delivering legal services. If you're a marketer, you're delivering marketing services. If you're a financial advisor, you're delivering those types of services. But that is where the majority of the time will need to be spent more than likely to be successful in the business. Because if you're a one-man show or a one-woman show and you're spending all your time marketing, doing administrative and prospecting, you got to think about it. It's like you need to shift that time to actually deliver services so that you can make money. Yeah. Yeah, you put me onto this. If um, and let me let's let's just put it out there. I mean, I, we're not doing, but we are. Let's promo. Let, look, you created this system, and uh, I've tried many systems. I have a couple of systems that I use, but this one is very very useful, and it put a lot of things in perspective for me as a business owner. Um, so yeah, man, I think uh, figuring out how much time you're spending focusing on marketing. And not just how much time, but how much time a day and what days of the week will be your marketing days. Right. Or who will do your marketing? There you go. There you go. Exactly. Because you talk a lot about leveraging talent. That's right. Is your word. Your word is talent. That's right. You want to continue to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I fell in love with this concept of leverage. And uh, I learned about the concept of leverage in the financial industry. When you hear it in the financial industry, a lot of times they're talking about getting loans or, you know, getting other people's money. And once I kind of looked that word up and I tied it to business, I got became fascinated because I started to see the most successful entrepreneurs in our culture. That's all they do is leverage people. And I remember talking to you, Stu, one time specifically about how some of the most successful businessmen and women that we knew, not only did they know how to leverage people, but they know how to do it at low or no cost. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. you might have your own, people might have their own opinions about whether that's good or bad. But what I, the way I looked at it is, I'm not in support of anybody being um, taking advantage of people. But we know that there are a lot of people out there looking for an opportunity. So if you can sell and convey a strong vision for your company, 
I have never seen a case where you couldn't get people to come and work in that company for pay or not, for not, not being paid. They're buying into you and they're buying into your vision. And that is leverage. So let's let's clear this up a little bit because earlier, and I agree with you, that is leverage. And and uh, you opening my eyes to this has allowed me to leverage a lot of folks' talent. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to confuse it. It's not for nothing in return when we say for no pay. It's not for nothing in return, but uh, it's because they have bought into, at least in my experience, a vision. My vision. But let me clear something up, because earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you want to create a business that investors would be interested in possibly buying from you. But you stated, if I get this correct, if I got this correct, you stated that the investors aren't interested in you. They're interested in your systems. And so that's from the investor side. But when you're talking about leveraging people's talent, Mm -hmm. they are concerned they are focusing on you and your vision that's right and that's that's a very good thing to bring up so yes you are always and i think this is important for entrepreneurs to understand because you're always going to be sort of in the mix quote unquote unquote, because you're the visionary we don't mean that you you're no longer involved in the company but you got people who are just really great at creating ideas they're not necessarily good at the day-to-day stuff, but they are the one who will say, hey, I got, I have a $100 million idea for some technology. You need those people. You know, we argue sometimes about which one is more important. You need all of these people to be successful. And so you got your idea person, and that person, like you said, they're able to, to create this vision, and people get excited. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I want to be a part of that. And like you said, though there may not be any money exchange, because sometimes this looks like a person being an intern, for example. But that person has walked away with some valuable experience that they may not have been able to get anywhere else. Yeah. You know, what I always liked about doing this personally is, is when the owner of the company would tell me, like, Eric, you why don't you just go ahead and write your job description of what you want to do? I'll take a look at it. And nine times out of 10, I'll let you do just that. Thank you can't do that in a Thank traditional corporate. Right. Like, no, we need you to do this. And yeah. you come in and say, hey, this is exactly the experience that I want to be able to put on my resume later. Yeah. These are the skills that I want to be. That is a priceless, priceless experience to be. It's, it bring, you know, I, I um, um, for the first time in 2020, I uh, brought on actual interns and I struggled. I struggle with my interns for for many reasons. All this is all a good experience. I have nothing bad to say about the individuals at all. Okay. The the struggle was on me. Like managing people, getting them to see the vision, being willing to turn over some tasks because of my fear of their ability to do it the way I would do it or if I felt like they were moving too slow, I I I jump in and take it over which would cause problems obviously. Sure. But one of the things that I, re- I really wanted my uh, interns, and still to this day, I still say this, is tell me what your dream role at this company looks like. There you go. And I'll let you do it because I, I know you'll have a blast. 
I have a hard time getting those folks to do that because of that point of they're used to, they've been indoctrinated in this idea that when well, you're the boss, you're the manager, you should be telling me what to do. Yeah. And I think that is prohibitive sometimes in creating wealth. You need folks that if you're a business owner, entrepreneur slash business owner around you in the company in order to help generate wealth, and then maybe it's you. When you get an opportunity to work with a business owner slash entrepreneur, take full advantage of bringing your talents to the table because I was thinking that these interns were would use this opportunity to use my platform as a business to hone their own skills. Yeah. Not to be, uh, but I guess some people, some people are, you know, some, everybody doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. Some people are comfortable, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. in being in the employee role as well. You know, one group of people, and then I'm going to get to these actual factuals. One group of people that I find are the clearest when they're coming into an organization on what they want to walk away with is, as I saw when I was doing a lot of not-for-profit work, people who want to go into politics mm -hmm. are usually very clear in terms of what outcomes they are seeking. They are not worried, typically worried about the money. They get it, but they're like, you know what? I need to leverage this organization and my experiences here to get to the next level of my political career or start my political career. Cause you know, you need a resume and you need to have some experiences that people will look at and say, okay, this person is credible. Those types of people I've seen be very clear and very successful in that dynamic that you were talking about. I think, and, and I bet that's probably for a number of reasons, but I, I think you just said something that came out uh, to me this week something that I had to be reminded of and it's don't chase the money. Don't chase them. Don't chase the money. Don't chase the money. Focus on the vision and executing that vision. If you do that well enough, the money will flow. So to your point, there's, you know, politicians they ain't worried about the money. They're focused on their vision right. and the implementation and execution of that vision. Absolutely. So I had never put those two together but that's a strong analogy, man. That's a strong analogy right there. Absolutely. So now we're going to get into our, we always do what we call actual factuals for every segment. And we're going to kind of try to frame up this conversation a little bit. So we're talking about why isn't your, and if you're just tuning in, this is season three, episode number three of the Money Sex Gen X podcast. We're talking about business today. And our actual factuals for this week are very interesting. So there are 30.7 billion small businesses in the United States, uh, which is and the small businesses are actually 90 percent of the entire business population. That's a lot of businesses. And this is according to the Small Business Administration back in 2019. Most businesses in the U.S. have fewer than 500 employees. And remember, that's the classical definition of a small business is a company that has fewer than 500 employees. 98.2% 98 of those companies have less than 100, uh, 100 employees, which is interesting. So 98.2, less than 100 employees. Now, we're getting into now, why do people start these businesses? And I found these stats. 
55% of people who start small businesses is because they want to be their own boss. 39% of people who start small businesses say that they're doing it because they want to pursue their own passion. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, 40, here's another two more interesting stats. 42% of small businesses fail due to a lack of demand. Wow, 42%. Let say that again, Big Stu. Wow. If you're out there and you're about to start a small business, listen to this statistic. It's very important. 42% of small businesses fail due to lack of demand. And then I have one final statistic. We're about to go into a different lane in this conversation, which is 58% Big Stu, of small businesses have no succession Man. Come on, man. Wow. I shouldn't be surprised because for a number of years, I didn't have one. No wow. succession plan. Let's define succession is really simple. Yeah. What's going to happen when either you decide you don't want to be in the business anymore or you pass away? Who's going to step in, big student, take over the business? Yeah. The exit strategy. The exit strategy. So those are our actual factuals. 99, did you say 99% of all businesses in the US are small businesses? 90. 90. 90. Yeah, so that's pretty, you know, it's all of Yeah. And that's that's interesting because I've heard that that stat or similar stats for many years and that kind of messed me up mentally because I didn't I don't know why. I always thought that there were more large corporations out there than small businesses. But it makes sense when you think about it, because when you look around on a day-to-day basis, most of the businesses that you see, they're small. You don't see a bunch of large corporations on a daily basis. So it makes sense. Yeah, it's just that the large ones are really, really large. They're really, really large. They're really, really large. They're ubiquitous. It's just like they're yeah. everywhere and, you know, all of that. But Walmart, Amazon, McDonald's, FedEx, yeah. UPS. But they are not the backbone of our economy or our global economy. Small businesses are. Okay. All right. Man, Eric, you're always coming through with the stats and facts, the actual factuals. Actual factuals, man. It's again. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a little drop, man. Where where we at, man? Where where we at? Let's let's not forget to remind the people where we at, man. Money, Sex, Gen X podcast. We are on season three, episode three. We're rocking out. Please get in those comments. We had really good engagement last couple of weeks. I don't know if anybody's out there today. Well, look, you know, today I live. I have to manage. It's playoffs, man. It's, and it's, it's, it's okay. Amazing. People are busy. Well, you can always catch the broadcast after the fact at moneysexgenxpodcast.com. Absolutely. You can catch the audio. You can catch the video. Catch it however you want. You can go over there and grab it. So let's get. I just needed to say I'm very proud of this show. So am I, brother. We talk about that all the time. I'm very proud. And just to see the reach of the show. I don't know if that's something that I was really thinking about when we first got started. But like, like we were talking about people in Europe and South America. We got to get into the African continent at some point. You know, that's one area I want to get into. But um, come on, yeah. Africa, come through, come through, South Africa, come through, Joe Bird. 
Yeah, let us know. We can get the show over there. and We want you all to participate and, and hear this, hear what we're talking about. Well, shout out to my people in Cameroon. And I got a couple people over in Cameroon. Shout out to my people in Cameroon. What up? I got a really good friend that's in Ethiopia right now. He's been over there for about a month. I think he's going to stay for another month. So shout out to him. Fam, if you are watching this, you know, try to find a way to get people there to watch the show. Use Facebook, WhatsApp, whatever you got to do, but they need to hear it. Absolutely. All right, let's get into it, man. Let's keep going, man. We got a lot of, got a good show today, man. What's happening? Yeah, so let's keep going. So we've kind of framed up what we mean by, you know, this whole thing of why isn't your small business. So basically what we're saying is. If you're in a situation where your business is not generating something that is going to be available to future generations, what we're basically saying is, is number one, it's because you're trying to do everything. Mm. That's first and foremost, right? Mm. So Mm. you're trying to do everything and then trying to find people to get in, trying to develop those systems and get other people to run them. As we know, it's not going to be an instantaneous process. Stu and I are people who are actively trying to get better at that ourselves. But it is a process that we need to go through, just like we spent time in the college classroom and we spent time doing all this other stuff. Just spend, We need to spend a little more time understanding systems and learning to operate them very efficiently through the use of other people. It's a process. It's smart business, man. It's it smart business, man. It's smart use of time. Because look, look, most of us are running our businesses. I desire to be an entrepreneur for the partially for the myth, the number one myth, which is I can work for myself. Yeah. I'll be my own boss, which I tell people is a myth because I have lots of bosses now that call my clients. <laughs> right. Still, yeah. you know, but even, and it means even if I'm not doing the service delivery, the S part of maps, they're still the clients of the company and right. we're to serve them. But I really want my time, man. I, I want to. I want the space freedom. E. I want to be able to be on my yacht when I get a yacht. I want to be able to be on the way to the Clareport when I get there, you know, and still run my. I don't want to have to be confined to sitting in front of the computer eight, ten, twelve hours a day in order to run the business. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I enjoy the flexibility right now. It may sound like I'm a little, I get a little, uh, I, I, I beat myself up a little bit sometimes when I do it, but I enjoy being able to potentially watch a Netflix movie at one in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I got so. it. Yeah. All right, man. I'm right, right, right there with you. I'm in the same boat, same thing I'm trying to do. So, I want to talk a little bit more about this concept of succession planning quickly. So we've established that one of the key things that need to be done. So let's talk about LLCs, for example. We're just going to use that as an example, okay? So say you have an LLC. So maybe you live in Illinois or New York or whatever. You went to the Secretary of State. You formed an LLC. Here's the part that I never hear anybody talk about. And the only reason why I knew about it is because I was working in real estate. And so the deals I was working on, the the investors made the client create these, what they call operating agreements. How many times do you hear people talk about operating agreements when you hear LLCs discussed? 
Never. Almost never. Almost never. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because it's like, that's one of the most important pieces of having the vehicle that you set up. Because in the, in the operating agreement, you're spelling out a lot of different things, Big Stu, as you know. You're spelling out who the owners of the company are, what's going to happen if one of the owners passes away. If somebody wants to sell a portion, their, a portion of their ownership, how do we handle that? Right. If somebody passes away, can your son get your ownership share? Right. Or does it stay in the company and we have to buy out your heirs? Yeah. You know, all of these types of things get discussed in the operating agreement. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I tell you that I, I can I think I can answer part of the reason why. Because so so. And let me let me moment of disclosure. That's gonna be my sec. That's gonna be my segment. E. <laughs> you know, when Stu about to tell someone of his truths that he probably ain't told nobody. Moment of disclosure. Okay. Um. N- I, none of my businesses. And, and yes, I started my first business legally on record is is 1983. My mom started my business. When I was 12. Put wow. it in my name. So. Secretary of State, 1983, my first business, my mom set up, right? And the the truth of the matter, she really, you know, it was she said it was a sole prop. It was it was a sole prop, bro. So it really wasn't no need need for all that paperwork. But my first legal business after that wasn't until 2014. Okay, and it and it was a corporation. I never had an LLC. All of my businesses, E, all of my businesses were sole proprietorships. Wow. I never had, and I've had some businesses, some brands, I would say anyway. Okay. But it wasn't until 2014 that I incorporated, incorporated my first business. It was not, I've never held an LLC. Okay. Moment of disclosure. Well, you know what? I can't say that you're you're missing out on a lot. I mean, I think sometimes people <laughs> feel like it's necessary to have an LLC. Eh, depends on how you want to run your business, you know. Well, I, I felt like I, you know, I felt like I never wanted to do all of that until I could have the proof of concept that the business was going to make some money, and I mean some real money, man. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Of dollars before I go through those those hoops, That's you know, right. and I, I knew that a sole proprietorship was you didn't need to do anything. You just. It didn't make sense to me, but I say that to say, because when you start talking about these owner operating agreements and think these operating agreements and things like that, a lot of times that when you start, that's the old Harvard Business School method of starting a business. Um, and I think that sometimes that really is what deters black folks, black people from doing all of that, because it's like many of them just want to get to the service delivery. Yes. Right. That's true. They just want to get to this. And so you telling me I got to do all of this and ha- look, I just want to make birdhouses, bro. I don't, I just want to print t-shirts. I don't care about all this. And I think that's okay. Until you start realizing that you're about to make some money, then you got to backtrack. You got to hold, you know, you got to like, Get this thing in order because you got real money on the table now. That's right. And it, it is a shift in mindset because the other thing we think about is, is liability. 
So what happens if somebody, if you have a sole prop and somebody sues you? That's a prop. That's a problem. Yeah. Problem. Anybody be careful because it only works in, in, in a, you know, the my method only worked because I had, I, I, I you know, I, they were mostly consulting or some other type of service. But even if I had a, like a hand car wash business, I wouldn't have done it as a sole prop. Um, not by choice, because if I break that mirror on that on that, you know, C-class or whatever it is, or that G-Wagon. Right. I'm in trouble because people don't sue for the cost of the repairs. People sue for 100 times the cost of the repairs. Right. They'll say that they were emotionally damaged. (laughs) (laughs) Broke the mirror on that G-Wagon. I almost had a heart attack. (laughs) That's right. I had to go to the emergency room, you know, all this different stuff. So, yeah. And, And thinking about this from the generational wealth perspective, that one lawsuit could take you out the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. One lawsuit could take you out the game. So, yeah, definitely keep that in mind. And, and hey, some people have multiple businesses. They might have an LLC. They might have, a, you know, it might have a corporation. It just depends on how you're going to run your business. You know, I think this is something good to talk to your attorney about, a, yeah. a corporate attorney, somebody that does transactional work with to say, hey, you know what? This is the sort of business that I'm running. Let's really talk through which model would be best for me and keep in mind with LLCs. And I'm not giving any kind of financial advice, but this is just the truth. Remember with LLCs, they can be taxed differently. You know, they can be taxed as partnership. It's a lot of different things that you can play with in terms of the taxation of the business entity. Mm -hmm. And that's important because if we're talking about generational wealth, taxes play a big impact when we're talking about what's left over for future generations. And I think that's, and, and, and I want to continue to frame the conversation. This conversation is for folks who are serious about running a business. Absolutely. This is not a conversation for you who ain't serious about running your business. Yeah. And, so, and I would even say even further to that point, this conversation is also for people who, have already started a business and now they're trying to get to the next, next level yeah. where they don't want to be actively involved every day. They're still passionate. They're still the idea person. And they might even be the rainmaker. You got people that are just really good at leveraging. There's that word leverage again, leveraging relationships to get contracts. Mm-hmm. But they also know, well, hey, I'm good at that, but I don't have to be the person who administers the contract. Mm-hmm. I can leverage somebody else to do that. So that's, you know, so I've talked to people. The reason why I say that is I've talked to a lot of people. They're not interested in what we're talking about quite yet. Because mm-hmm. their whole thing is like, look, fam, I'm trying to just learn how to run the day-to-day. Like, I'm, I'm just in, I'm in a game. I can't think yeah. about leveraging and all this stuff yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. I'll get to that later. But right now, I just need to make it through the day. And I understand that. I get it. So t- take me back. So I, cause I, I jumped in, I wanted to jump in to, to, to make the point that I made about LLCs and you were talking about the operating agreement. Is it, what's it? The owner's operating agreement? Oh, uh, it's just typically referred to as an operating agreement. Operating agreement. Tell me a little bit more about if I understand what you've said so far, I need to really focus on the operating agreement because it breaks down how have how things happen and when they happen and who's responsible for what is that pretty much it or is it something yeah, else 
That's true. So it gets into detail about, think about it from the perspective of if you're not here anymore. And so say you want your son to run the business, where would he go to know what your wishes were in terms of how you think want things to be run? Where would he go to know what his percentage of interest is versus the other person that you started the company with? You know, that's where you explore all of those things and you agree with you agree on them with the other people who are in the company. Or if there's nobody else in the company right now, you're agreeing on these things for when you're no longer involved or when you're ready to say, you know what, I want to take a passive role and I don't want to be figuring this stuff out on my way out. We've already figured it out. It might need to be tweaked here and there over the years, but this is pretty much how this company is going to be running. Here's my wishes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the Money Sex Gen X podcast. This is your co-host, Big Stu, and we are in tune with Mr. Eric McLeod. Why isn't your small business generating wealth? And the first thing, the first note that we have is, Eric, number one reason so far? You want to do everything. Trying to do everything yourself. And we've all been guilty of it. You want to do it all and you want to find that perfect person that's just like you. Trying to make it perfect. And folks at Walmart messing up every day. Every day. Every time you go outside and go to a store, you're like, man, hey, listen, and this is a, a billion dollar company we talk about. Man, oh, you waiting bad. to be perfect and ain't generated a dollar yet. Absolutely. So, And it's not like you're resigning to mediocrity. You're just saying, you know what? I need several people. I will continue to refine the process as we go throughout time. You got to start somewhere. That's right. That's right. So get out there and start. Get started. So you started. Now you said this conversation before. Maybe you've already started. You're just trying to get to the. Okay. You started. And actually, last year, your business did 160. Mm-hmm. Woo. Nice. This conversation is for you. It is. Your, com- your, your last year, your business did 60. This conversation is for you. True indeed. True indeed. It's for you because now you have some resources that you can start thinking about. Hey, you know what? I used to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and do all of the social media posts for the day. Can I take some of that 160 and hire somebody and pay them maybe $50 a week to do those same posts because they're in college? And they're looking mm-hmm. for an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Can I take some of that one sixty and hire hire a virtual assistant? But what do you say to the person that's like saying, "Can't now? Nah, I can't afford to do that because I need that money." What's your? Because I got a, a response in my head. What's your response to the person? Uh, I can't. I I, re- I need this money. I'm 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 even though I generated one sixty, that doesn't include expenses, and and I still have my own expenses, and I can't see. I can't see. I, it doesn't. I can't afford that right now. What do you say to them? I'm going to say what I was reminded of by a young lady that we both know last week on social media. She said very simply when we put the post up, it takes money to make money. There you go. That's what I would tell you. It takes money to make make money. You got to pay to play. That's another saying that I grew up on. You got to pay to play. You got to decide what game am I going to play here? If you want to play this game that me and Big Stu talking about, got to pay to play. Now, what you pay is negotiable. Sure. And how you pay 
is negotiable. Yeah. Like we said, you might not even need to pay any currency. You yeah. might be paying by just providing somebody with an experience. And I, and I think, too, going back to the leveraging, look, when you're leveraging folks' talent, you're not suggesting that they are doing something for you for free. Change that dynamic. Figure out the whiff them. What's in it for them? What's in it for me? Exactly. They're asking, why should I do this? So, okay, it's the vision. It's the mission. It's your passion for it. It's the learning opportunity. There's not for free. That's right. You don't want free help. You don't want free help. Free help is unreliable. That's right. You, you, still you want, want to skill. Yeah, you want to leverage skills and leverage talents. That's right. Win-win situation. Stop thinking that you have to do it all yourself. What else you got for us? Why else? Why why else isn't my small business generating wealth? Well, going back to those stats that we talked about, Big Stu, you know, your your business might not be creating a demand. You know, there, there's no demand for the services that you're offering. I see this every day. How many times do we drive down the street? We see these businesses that are closed. And, and hey, we both know that there's a lot of factors involved. Yeah. But a lot of times the business is just not doing well because what they have, people don't want it. They Damn. just don't want it. Damn. So that's something to think about. And I want to tell the listeners out there. We're not these people who are just sitting up giving a bunch of theory. I'll use this show, for example. This show that you see right now, uh-huh. you're listening to throughout the world, we are leveraging a number of people. A number of people. Trust me. And I'm proud to say that we're leveraging talent from Hampton University. Yeah. To run this show, we're leveraging talent from Howard University. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so it's like we're leveraging, we're doing what we're talking about here. And everybody's situation is different in terms of why they want to participate in the show and what their currency is, what form of currency is being exchanged. But we could not do this show. Well, I'll take that back. We could do this show and try to do everything because we were doing it very early on, but we made a conscious decision to build a team. And so we're leveraging a lot of people to do the show. And the reason why is because we wanted to continue to grow. Exactly. We had to invest into first ourselves and then invest into other resources. That's right. So I want to start changing the wording that we use because some of the wording, and I know it may seem petty, no, it's not. I'm willing to be this petty. I'm willing to be this petty. Words have power and impact. Watch the words. Watch so if you, I ain't got the money, it sounds very different right. than, you know, I want to put my money somewhere else or I'm not interested in, in investing in that right now or right. I don't see the need for that. It sounds very, very different than I ain't got it or, you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. It's not a priority right now. Maybe that's it, you know, so. I love that. Yeah, no question. I like the word invest that you used, Stu. Like if you say, if a person says, I want to invest in some talent versus mm-hmm. like you said, saying, I, I don't, I, I'm going to spend some, I got to go spend some money to help some, get some people to help me. Well, are you spending or are you investing? Yeah, because those people that time, they, you're going to get some of your time back um, and you're going to get, yeah, Shit, giving your time back is worth it all right there. True indeed. True. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is an important conversation. So I, I and I hope that 
people will watch the show and create your own version of this conversation. I mean, we got some wonderful people throughout the globe that have mastered these concepts. I hope I see more videos about leveraging and going beyond just starting a business, but having it be a generational wealth vehicle. That's a, that's a very different mindset to, to think about your business in. Yeah, man. The I the, Oh, man, that's heavy. So I definitely want to encourage everybody as best as you possibly can to include your seeds, whether they're yours or your nieces and nephews or whatever, grandchildren, neighborhood kids, and help them learn about business and economics. Help them. That's so key to our generational wealth for generations to come. Exactly. It is. And guess what? These skills are transferable. So this is what I love. And I realized for myself, once we master this, you can take those same skills and use it in other businesses. Yeah. It's not just specific to this one business. It's like having a college degree. You can take your college and I'm just using that as an example, but you can take your college degree and use it for to some would say for a myriad of different things, right? You don't have to just use it for one thing. Same thing in business. Once you master these basic concepts, you can take it and use it and also teach other people. You might say, hey, I just want to make money by teaching people how to create systems and and teach them how to leverage talent to run them. That's a tremendous business that a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if anybody is out there, and I know that you are, Please drop a comment. You know, what are your thoughts, questions? It's a good opportunity to ask questions in the comment section. We might share it on the screen. We might actually respond to you. Yeah, we might. We might. So feel free to do that. Feel free to do that. We might actually give away a free hoodie. Dang. To somebody who comes through with that that hardcore comment that makes everybody think. So yeah, that would be dope. That would be dope. I, I, I could go for that. I could go for that. All right. So we got to get to our next segment, Stu, which is um, the burning question for the week. So I'm going to go through this real quick. And the burning question, Eric's burning question for this week, my question is, have you mm. out there in podcast land, have you mm. ever heard of a buy, sell, and I'm talking to the entrepreneurs. Have you ever heard of a buy-sell agreement? That's my burning mm-hmm. question for the week. Buy-sell agreement. Hey, let me, um, when you sent over the show notes for today's show, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I must have slept through that lecture at grad school. <laughs> okay. I don't remember. I don't so, and, to it. They didn't have it. <laughs> is that long ago? <laughs> I ain't had it in there. I doubt it, man. And I, I, um, I, um, I didn't even look it up, so I still don't know what a buy sell agreement is. All right, we'll I still don't know. I said, okay. let me. I'm gonna ask my man on the show. I'm not even gonna come with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play student today. All right. So you're so, gonna learn together right now. So. A buy-sell agreement is is something that all entrepreneurs should know about. So let's talk about it like this. So we got this podcast. It's it's a business entity, right? Mm -hmm. Say I decide five years from now that I don't want to really participate anymore 
and I want to sell my interest in the company. And say the company at that point is worth $100 million and my and we own 50-50, so my percentage or my shares are basically, basically worth $50 million. And you're like, hey, and our operating agreement says, hey, yeah, Eric has the ability to sell his portion of the company as long as he gives me a right of first refusal. So it's like, I can sell, but I got to come to you first to see if you want to buy my shares, if you want to buy me out. Okay. We Everybody following so far? So it's real simple. It's like, we both own the company. I don't want to participate anymore. We have an operating agreement that says I can sell my portion of the company. All I have to do is give Big Stu the opportunity to buy those shares first. If he says no, then I can go out and sell my shares. All right. Now, the question, this is where the buy sell agreement comes into play. If Stu does say, hey, you know what? I do want it. I want your 50 percent of ownership. I will buy it. How does Big Stu finance that if he doesn't have that money, like the physical currency to give mm. the 50 million dollars? Mm. And let's take it a step further. Let's say I actually just passed away. So it's not that I don't want to be in the company. I'm no longer here. Because this is the one that will come up more commonly. I'm not I'm not even here anymore. And Big Stu, I've set up my estate where my children can actually get my half of the company, but I still have to give Big Stu a right of first refusal. If he wants to buy it, then he gives that money to my, my, my heirs, right? But Big Stu might not, he might have a lot of money, but he doesn't have the 50 million. And he wants complete ownership. He wants my 50%. One thing that Big Stu could use is something called a buy-sell agreement, which is just an agreement that says, hey, I'm going to buy his shares when he's no longer you know, alive, and I'm going to use life insurance. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Life insurance is going to fund me getting that $50 million because what we've done is we put a life insurance in place on Eric. For $50 million, he's no longer here. That money goes to me. I'm going to take that money and give it to his heirs to complete the sale Mm. of his 50%. Are you kidding me? Mm. That's me. You you want to talk about leverage? So you're leveraging the life insurance policy to get the money. To basically buy out my heirs. Well, but but I, okay. The first the first thought that comes to my mind is, what if I already have a life insurance? So, are you telling me that multiple people can have a life a policy on one person? Absolutely, and that it would pay out upon expiration. That's right. Absolutely. 20 people could have a policy on me. Yes, sir. If the life if the life insurance company that they went to approves it, absolutely. And it's very common for certain people, right? The reason why people that look like you and I probably don't do it as much as we don't really know about it, which is why we're talking about it now. But yeah, absolutely. And think about it. You know, so some people will be like, well, I have a life insurance policy. You do, 
but your life insurance policy is probably set up to pay out to your lady, your kids and all that. That doesn't help me if I'm your business partner. Right. We got this. this Yeah, we got this company that has value and I'm trying to buy your percentage of ownership. Why should I have to go on my bank account and do that when they have something called a buy sell agreement where we got this insurance in place years before we did a business valuation? We got a lawyer to draw up the buy sell agreement, signed it up. We went took it to the insurance company. They reviewed the agreement. They approved the policy. Boom. If anything happens to Eric, there you go. I'm buying them out. You know, you know why this is so dope and then why it just clicked. It makes sense. I was quick. I just quickly reminded myself. See, the business is its own entity. The business is an entity. Right. You can't take money from the business without proper record keeping because the business could sue you. It's called embezzlement. Steal from the business. So it does make sense that this entity would want to protect itself. And that there's an instrument that allows the entity being the business to be protected in case it lose one of its operators or owners. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's another part of it, Stu. And I'm glad you brought that up. So, so one scenario is more about, okay, this person is gone He's got his interests out there. He's got his heirs. I want to buy that or whatever. You know, we go through that whole thing. But the other part is, say we got this really, uh, so let's use a law firm, for example. We got this law firm that is crazy. Like we got all these clients and we have three partners and these guys generate a lot of business. And one of the partners dies. Mm -hmm. How do we recoup that loss? Mm-hmm. This guy was bringing in so much business every year. It's ridiculous. But now he's no longer here. So that human being, that individual as a driver of revenue, how do we leverage that risk that he's no longer? And that's that word leverage again. How mm-hmm. do we leverage that risk that this person with all his tremendous contributions is no longer able to do that? And so mm-hmm. there are vehicles in place like what we're talking about now that allow you to compensate the business for the loss of, and they call this key person insurance. Mm. Mm. Dropping some serious jewels. Mm. This is key person insurance. Mm. All right, buddy, we dropping gems. Key person insurance. So Stu is a key person. Something happens. He's no longer participating. He might just be like, I don't want to be in it anymore. I'm out. Okay. So now Stu is bringing in 10 million. How do we recoup on that? Key person insurance. Wow. Wow. That's a load, man. That's a heavy, mean load right there, man. That's a game-changing concept right there, brother. And that is the generation. So when we are like, why isn't your small business generation? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about being aware of these vehicles that are in place. We talked about the you know, all of the systems and all that. But this is one of the systems that we're referring to. This is more of like a a human resources component. This is risk management. These are some of the systems that you want to have in place to give you the funding to do different things or to recoup in case of a loss. Let me let me just recap. Let me just recap real quick 
the I, I I got three points. I got three bullet points from from you today. And the first one, you know, top three reasons. We got the top three reasons why your business isn't successful, it isn't generating wealth. Mm-hmm. And the first one we said was because you're trying to do it all yourself. Mm. Man. Tough. The second We've reason. We've all done it. We've all done it. The second reason, which is so heavy, and we should, I, I, we we, should, we, did, we really kind of skated over this one. We, I know we talked about it, but it was like, it was a skate, bro. Like this deserves more. We they talk about slide. We okay. slid over this one. What's that? There isn't enough demand for your offering. Ooh, we, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a that's a let's talk about that in the uh, another 30 seconds because we did skate over that one. We, did. we slid on that one, bro. Yeah. Like we need to talk about that a little bit more. And we talked about it a little bit in the beginning. You want to go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just want to make sure you're right. We need to talk about this a little, just a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and so you and I do this work with people, but it's like, you address that in the business planning stage. You know, that's just the simple way to, to cut to the chase. You, you got to examine the market that you're trying to go in. You, is there a market? Sometimes there is no market. I love, I've had to tell people sometimes, like, there's no market for what you're talking about. And hey, I understand that I, you can create a demand and all of that. You can do that. But it's very rare that people do it successfully. Ah, oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard pill to swallow. And it's obviously hard. I've been on that end of it before. I've been so passionate about this butterscotch and mint cookie that I'm the only one that likes butterscotch and mint. Yeah. And I can't let it go. I can't let it go. It's like, but no, the world will, the world is going to be revolutionized by this. And it's like, nah, bruh. Yeah, that's right. Now take them, them three dozen that you sold last year and pat <laughs> yourself on the back. <laughs> Cause that you know, your aunt and your uncle and your cousin was they just was trying to show you a little love. Exactly. That might be that's a nice thing. hobby. Might be a nice hobby. Well, something. Yeah, nice little hobby. But it just ain't enough demand for you to be living off. Boy, that's a that's a whoo. That speaks. That speaks. Betty says that she did not learn this in college. Well, you don't. I didn't either, Betty. No, we don't learn this in college. We don't. So, so that was the second one. That was the second one. You don't. Did you? Did you have any more points about that one? Uh, I'm gonna leave that that one alone. Listeners, do a little more digging on that one. But yeah, it's a fire. That one's on fire. And if I got this right, a tool, key person insurance. Was yeah. that the third one? Did I miss it? Did I miss it? Was that the third one? The third one, but we can combine them. It was actually the buy-sell agreement. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I put that in there. We got into, because of your, your thoughtfulness, we got into the key person insurance as well. So both of them, I, I would consider that as a group of things that people want to explore as entrepreneurs. Buy-sell. Buy-sell agreements. Yeah. Talk to your insurance agent about 
buy-sell agreements. If you have a good insurance agent, they will be able to talk to you in detail about that and, and help you to understand what needs to happen to bring those into existence and talk to them about key person insurance. Key person insurance. Buy-sell agreement. The buy-sell agreements was a heavy bomb. I, I learned about buy-sell agreements today. Okay, good. I learned about... I knew that company like your if you work for a major corporation that 10% of America's companies they probably have an insurance policy on you. Do you did you understand that? Did you know that to be true Eric? Many yeah. major corporations are once they, when they hire you in many many cases it's not uncommon that they may have an insurance policy on you. It's just part of your Hey, when you signed all that HR, that HR packet, you, you signed that too. That was a document in there. Yeah. Not in every case, but it's not uncommon. If you're one of those exceptional people, those rare exceptional people that we talked about in corporate, I'm I'm almost certain they have something in place for if you walk away. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Man, that's heavy, man. That's heavy. I was not expecting uh, these takeaways from this conversation. I had no expectations other than it knew we would do a dope show, but it's hitting me in a way that I didn't anticipate today. You dropped so this is a heavy, hey, but you slid you, 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 you coasted into this one. I called it at the top of the hour, man. I was like, man, you this is a slow summer, but it is fire. Yeah, this is caliente, man. Yeah, this is Flames. fuego. <laughs> Yeah, this is an important one. I'm happy that we. Hey, thank you for being open to doing this topic. I mean, this is this is heavy, man. This is something that we don't hear about. We don't know where somebody might hear this conversation again. So I'm happy we did it. Moment of disclosure. I fought Eric on this topic for. I said, man, you sure you want to do this topic again? And he said, yeah. And I said, listen, and this. I had no ex. I did not anticipate this. So thank you for dropping these gems. Yes, yes. I had to fight for this one, y'all. But we, you know, <laughs> my calls came through in the clutch. Came through in the clutch. So. Did that. You did that. All right. So you got a character for corporate this week? I do. I do. So we're we're rounding home based on the show. This is season three, and I like saying that. I smile every time I say that. This is season three. This is episode number three. We just wrapped up our conversation about why isn't your small business generating wealth. So go back and have a listen to that. Take some notes. All right. So now we're getting into our our next segment, which is characters from corporate. If you're new to the show, this is our segment where we allow people to write in and tell us about situations and people that they experience in corporate. Sometimes it's them. Sometimes it's other people and whether they're characters based on these situations that happen. So this week's segment is uh, came through. It says, hi, Eric and Stu. Thanks for having this segment. You're welcome. I'm a 39-year-old black man from Northern Virginia. I graduated from Hampton University, the real HU. There you go. Hey. Wow. That, that's debatable, but okay. Got you. Got you. Shout out to Hampton University. I've had some good times there over the years. All right. So he says, I work at one of the larger financial services companies currently for life insurance and annuities. I am studying to get my Series 65 investment advisory license. Man, shout out to you for that. Hey, let me tell you all something real quick. That's one of the hardest tests I ever took in my life. Series 65. So good luck on that. 
He says, my sales manager who is not black called me up the other day and started complaining about all the other black people on our team Mm. saying that they just don't get it as it relates to being successful in this business. Mm. When I bring up others from the team who are not black, but appear to have the same mindset and lack of drive, he Mm. starts giving me a bunch of excuses. The last time that we had this conversation, I got angry and I started going off on him. Mm. Now, thankfully for me, he's not a sensitive type of person, so I'm good in terms of my job. But I wonder if I'm wrong to keep feeling like I have to defend those who look like me. Am Mm. I a character from corporate or is it my sales manager? Peace. Interesting. So the brother works in the financial industry in Northern Virginia. He's from Northern Virginia, graduated from HU. And so his sales manager is, I guess, making some disparaging comments about people who look like him. Um, Then he tries to bring up that there are others from other cultures who have the same. I guess your point is like this is a mindset thing. It's not a racial thing. And then you got fed up on the last conversation and you went off on them. Are you the character or is he the character? Yeah. I don't think he's the character. I don't think he's the character. You think it's the sales manager? Uh, no. I actually don't even think it's the sales manager, man. I, I think uh, I wish I could, you know, it's uh, I think both views are correct. I think both views are correct in this case. Like, and I've made. Let's. Are we assuming that this sales manager E is a white guy or a girl? Are we assuming that? You know what? That's one of the things that I don't like that he didn't say. He just said, you know, he doesn't look like me or he's not black. But I don't know. I don't want to assume. Really, I don't really. Want okay, it's hard to have that conversation then. It's not, so I have to draw. It's a draw for me, and nobody's gonna like that because, you know, um, is it is, is it true? Like, I, I, is it true? Let's let's see if it's true. If if let's say everybody ex- in this conversation all look the same, but even though this guy says except the people that don't look like us, so let's say assume he's he and his sales manager are both African American, black. Mm-hmm. Is it true? If that's if that's the no, is it true then? Is there a different work ethic that black folks have in comparison to other cultures and races of people when it comes to being successful in that industry? Is it true? Well, I want to say this, and I think this is a good discussion to have. So I've worked in the financial industry for many years. I, so I think the work ethic might come into play, but it's also a conversation of two I feel like has to come in is there's only certain people I feel like are suited for the financial industry. Mm. And so I look at it, in my opinion, it's not about the background, of the racial background of the person. I feel like mm-hmm. it's a mentality. Like you got to be a killer. You got to mm-hmm. be a person that can take rejection constantly. Mm-hmm. You have to be a person who can kind of see the bigger picture in terms of like, well, what's where is this going to take me five years from now? You have to be a very articulate person who can mm. 
mm-hmm. advise the client in a way that they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And that's not a set of skills that only a certain cultural background would have. That's a certain mm-hmm. set of skills that either somebody developed or they have naturally. Mm-hmm. Not and, and and look, I'm I'm look, man. You know, we we get emotional, man. Those black folks, man, get real. We real sensitive about stuff, man. You can't just be coming at us and talking to us any old kind of way. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we know. That's our that's our normal natural disposition. True. So what you're talking about is what you is exactly what you said. It's got you got to be trained up. You got to get prepped for not responding naturally. Right. And Take that criticism without taking it personally, you yeah. know. So that's a practice. Everybody ain't got that, man. I don't care who you are. And if I was a sales manager, what I would really be asking is, have I trained these individuals properly yeah. to be successful? Now, if you say you did, then that's cool. But I would probably, knowing my experiences in the financial industry, you probably didn't. And so here's the other thing. Here's here's an issue that I have with working in your industry, working in your industry, because I've been recruited a number of times in your industry. I never, I have yet to really feel comfortable with the the approach to the career opportunity. It's always led with, you can make all this money. <laughs> well, for me, I, I, you know, maybe to my own fault, that's not enough reason for me. Yeah. It's so not I- like, it's not enough. I, I don't. I have. I have a book, and in my book, I say if you're doing it just for money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's my. That's how I live. So, anytime somebody is coming to me, and they like, man, you could make this quick, fast cash, a lot of money. I'm always like, I agree. that's not my lead. That's not my lead. So right. if, and I say that to say if these some of these young folks or some of these people in that industry are there because that's the lead. I'm going to make this money. And you know, that the money don't come like that. Yeah. The first month is you might get something, but it's not the numbers that they said that takes time. Give it a year, give it six months, eight months, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, then you'll be into it. So, you know, that if they're not trained up, if they don't have that expectation, yeah, after, after, you know, three weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, I'm like, man, what's happening here? You know, I I agree with that a a million percent. And I'll what I always say is because I used to be one of these people who was recruiting people and all this stuff. And what I noticed is you need people that want to make money or need to make money. That's the only people that is going to that you have a chance with. If a person says, I don't care about money to me, that's just not the right person. You know, (laughs) not for that, not for that industry, because you can get paid very well. But you're not going to go through all of that rejection and all these different things if you're like, I just feel like money is a very good motivator. People, yeah. I, what I don't like in society sometimes now is like we try to downplay money. I just think we got to be careful with that because if you need money and you're willing to do the work, there are some opportunities out there that could be really well suited for you because it's like if you need money, the financial industry is industry you can make money very quickly. Is it going to be instant? No. But like I'll take insurance, for example. If a person sells an insurance policy and they have a decent decent commission rate, they get paid very well. So we're talking about use of time. You might be able to spend two hours with a client and make 
$2,400, for example, versus spending 12 hours to make the same $2,400. But if you don't care about money, yeah, but what know. if what if I'm going to say if I'm a man it doesn't and it's not that I don't care about money but it's just like money is not my lead it ain't the number one motivator although it is but it ain't maybe I'll do maybe I'll prospect better so I'm not wasting my time because I you know I don't you know I want to to all to your point about what you just said about Spending 12 hours to close one client versus spending two hours. If money is not my lead, then maybe I'll do the work on the front end and get the proper training and take it and receive it to make sure I'm prospecting properly, which goes back to your point. Is he training them up right? Probably not. Yeah. Because that would, that would, that's what it would have to be for me. Like, Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and I do think that, and I know we got to wrap this up, but I'm very passionate about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The psychological profile of the person is very important because when you go around trying to recruit any and everybody, to me, that's a waste of time. In some sense, well, you have to go through a lot of people to see who might work out, but you got to look at that psychological makeup because, again, like I said, you need killers. And I'm talking about mm-hmm. corporate killers. You need people that they almost don't care about being rejected. They're trying to get mm. and most people that I've encountered, their emotional state is at the front of the situation. So it's hard for them to accept that rejection. They can't handle it. And okay. So can't be successful. So if you've recruited a bunch of people who are emotional, it, like in business, I'm talking about, we all have emotions, but if they're emotional in business, you can't win with that team. So that's the sales manager's fault. Yeah. Hmm. All right, I'm going to okay. get off my soapbox. He, he's not the, he is not a character from corporate. I agree, is not, is not. Yeah, doing good. Great submission. Thank you for sending that in. I'm enjoying us talking about these. So that's our characters from corporate. See, yeah. All right, brother, do you have any closing thoughts? We're doing really good on time this week. You got any closing thoughts as we move out of this episode? You know, man, my only closing thought today is great job, man. Just great show, great jewels. Um, Hey, man, I learned a lot. And so thank you. Great job, man. Great show. That's that's all I got for our closing, my closing comments, man. Just great job, man. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. And I want to thank you for uh, helping me host this episode. If you were listening out there today, if you really like this conversation, you know, there's so much information out there that you can use to keep going and build those systems and figure out how to get into that mindset. Um, check out Robert Kiyosaki's book on the cash flow quadrants. That's a very quick way to get exposed in an easy to understand manner. And um, yeah, keep doing your thing. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. All right. So that's it, man. That's like our show for the day, huh? Yeah, we did good, man. We stayed on time and we got through the topic. I I like that. We said we were going to stay on time this week. We did it. That's what's up. That's what's up. So let's go on and take us out of here. All right. We're going to take us out of here with an artist from Pool this week. Okay. Musicspool.com. Musicspool.com. Yes, man. I like this platform. 
You and me both, man. I like this platform. It's a new platform for new and emerging artists where they can have their talent, their music, their recordings heard in an unfiltered, unsolicited environment. And it's also a great place for all you music enthusiasts who like to be the first to hear something or yeah. tell whether something is dope or not to go find some new music, new talent of many genres. Many genres. Many genres. Yeah. But today we're going to listen to a cat by the name of Say Less. Say Less. Say Less. S-A. S-A. L-E-S. Is it, where are they from, Stu? He is from the, he's from Chicago. Shout out. Chicagoland area. Actually went to school with a guy by the name of Juice World. Juice they World. Went, okay. Yeah, I remember that probably. Yep. In the news. Yeah, him and Juice World went to school together. And actually, Say Less is the very first artist to put his music on pool. Didn't know that. Okay. Very first artist to put his music on pool. Made his he is history. He okay. he is uh, he is he is pool certified since day one, literally. Ah. Literally, didn't know uh, that. Right. He has a, he has a, he has a one of one sweatshirt that okay. has that logo. That logo was created for him. Okay. Since day one, pool certified since day one. Say less. Say so less. What we're going to hear is city at war. Let's check it out. Let's see what he's talking about. I've never heard this one, by the way. This is brand new. All right. Let's do it. War featuring Jesus' brother. Or is it Jesus' brother? Say less. Musicspool.com. Musicspool.com. Innocent, but a target in front of a gun. We caught in the situation. Word of elimination. Look what you done. Look at the world. A war that can never be won. So they take all they pain and try to turn it to joy. Misery loves company, less than companies. Misery, super predators. Full world Hillary, heavy artillery, shell shock. Gotta watch myself around here, cause they dreadlocks. Kids growing up without that, cause he mad pops. Mama don't know what to do. So she steady out here getting screwed. Hey, this is nice. This is dope, bro. The niggas that I know, man, they already died. So many mothers I had to love. Sure, so from them crying. It's a banger, man. All right, well, look, man. They can, they can catch the rest of that on pool, on music's pool, man. So say less. Music's pool. Bang. I'm going to go back and hear that whole song. I like that. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. All right, we out of here. Episode three. We'll catch you all next week. Same time, same place. Episode three. Same time, same place next week. We are out of here.